Welcome to the Intentional Growth Podcast, the show that teaches you how to grow the value of a company with an end in mind. Host Ryan Tansom interviews top business leaders, authors, entrepreneurs, and other professionals who share their experience and expertise about buying, growing, and selling companies. How are you doing? And welcome back to the Intentional Growth Podcast. This is Ryan Tansom, your host, and this is episode 248. On today's show, we're going to be talking about how to build wealth, create fulfillment, and avoid burnout by optimizing for what your definition of success is. And that last statement is crucial, and we need to unpack that, and we're going to be doing that in today's episode. What is your definition of success is highly important and your ability to clarify that is going to be one of the biggest factors in your ultimate happiness, enjoyment, and fulfillment out of your company and the life that you're living as an entrepreneur. And today's episode sets out to show you what you can do to avoid feeling like you're trapped in your company because you should be able to build the wealth and create the fulfillment without spending every minute working in your business. Today's episode is going to help you work through this idea with an industry expert, Austin Bronner. You may already be familiar with his name from his podcast, the E-Commerce Influence Podcast, which has over 300 episodes and some amazing guests on it. Austin's show focuses on the advanced acquisition and retention strategies for the modern marketing executive, and he has helped over 597 established e-commerce store owners and marketers and freelancers unlock massive growth in their companies while freeing up more time to do what they love through his coaching business as well as his community for e-commerce entrepreneurs called The Coalition. Austin and I had an absolute blast of a conversation talking about all the things that we've learned over the last five to 10 years from interviewing a collective of 600 people between the two of us, all the entrepreneurs that we work with, and just trying to break down what does the word success mean And how do you know whether you or someone else is quote unquote successful? Austin and I talk about the traps that many entrepreneurs and business owners get into by focusing on the wrong metrics like only revenue generation or only gross profit, not understanding true valuation and enterprise value growth. What I really enjoyed about the conversation between Austin and I is that between both of our podcasts and all the interviews and all the people we've worked with, we're able to pull out major themes of the things that we see all day long and why entrepreneurs struggle so much hiring that next level management team, whether it's the financial resources that they need or it's delegating the duties and responsibilities to the people that may or may not be as skilled as you, the original founder, to do those tasks and how to set up the business so you can focus on working on the business, optimizing for your definition of success, whether that's lifestyle driven, cash flow driven, acquiring companies, or whether it's tied to some industry disruption and change that you want to make. Regardless of what your definition of success is, this podcast is a must listen to because it's going to challenge the thought process you may have about what it is that you're focused on every day to make sure that you're headed in the right direction. Thanks for tuning in and I really hope you enjoy this interview with Austin. Sponsored by Arcona's Intentional Growth Digital Course. Ryan Tansom and Pat Hobby show you how to shift your mindset away from solving for annual income to focusing on strategies that create long-term value, giving you the freedom and choices to take control of the future destiny of your business. Accelerate your knowledge with 36 videos and dozens of exercises that combine decades of experience buying, growing, and selling companies. Learn more by going to arcona.io or visiting the show notes. Morning, Austin. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm uh, very excited for this uh, conversation because um, Pat and I spoke to your community uh, recently and I was on your show. And we, so you, you just understand what it's like to be a fellow podcaster. And we were both talking about how the fact that I'm staring at people doing my lawn right now and there's going to be people in my house and just total fail on scheduling stuff. It always, it always happens whenever you schedule lots of podcasts, all things happen like if you got a gardener coming and they're going to be blowing like leaves, it's always that day. hundred percent, hundred percent. So for the listeners that are not familiar with you yep. and the community you built, why don't you give us the, the short version of it? Sure. Uh, so my name's Austin Bronner. I'm the host of the e-commerce influence podcast and I interview e-commerce operators, uh, business owners, marketers, and people who are out there in the, in the trenches. And we talk about how they can grow their business 
and build more wealth and create more fulfillment in their life. And I've got a community called The Coalition. It's at brandgrowthexperts.com. And we work with e-commerce marketers, business owners, and we help them figure out how to grow their business in a way that doesn't take away from the rest of their life, right? So in a way that allows them to unlock growth without just working harder. So mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff we think about is just increasing leverage in your life and in your business. So right as we were jumping in before we hit record, I asked you, you know, what kind of direction we want to take with the conversation. And I loved what you said. So why don't you just like, almost like you said, what's most interesting to me right now. And I think it's a fantastic topic to kick this off with. Yeah. I think, I think what's most interesting to me right now is how do you build a business that you love to work in, uh, build a business that you're able to like to sell in the future or a build business that allows you to build wealth in your life and create fulfillment uh, in your life at the same time. Right? I, I think it's the reason it's so fascinating to me is because I talk to entrepreneurs all the time. I've got a community of very successful entrepreneurs. And at the end of the day, the biggest challenges they all face the same thing. It's like, it's, am I fulfilled doing what I'm doing right now? Am I doing the right thing? Uh, and am I doing it in a way that I can sustain over the long term? So, cause I mean, you're, you're talking to hundreds of entrepreneurs all day long. So you're kind of synthesizing general themes. And that's what I find super intriguing to community managers and owners and coordinators like yourself is because you're kind of just gathering this pulse of what everybody's talking about, right? So it's not like some random study that had a specific purpose that was launched. It's like, no, here's the things that everybody's talking about all the time. Where is it that I'm I'm curious as you talk as you're talking to your community, doing these events or wherever you're getting the information, how do those problems manifest themselves in these entrepreneurs' lives and in the conversations? Well, I think it's interesting because actually when you look at the community, there's not like a ton of conversation around that, right? Like <laughs> if people are posting about people are posting about ways to grow their business, things that they've learned, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. It's more when I have one-on-one conversations with entrepreneurs and we're trying to figure out like if I'm working with a coaching client and we're kind of peeling back the layers of the onion to try to figure out what's going on in their life and what might be holding back their business or where the opportunities are. That's when those conversations show up, right? Because it's always a little bit below the surface, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's, you can't really tell what's going on in a business from the outside until you get you sit down with a founder and you recognize that somebody who on paper might be the most successful person you've ever met is completely miserable in their business and in their life because the way that they've structured the business doesn't suit them anymore. Maybe it did for a certain period of time, but now they feel kind of trapped in their own business. And that's when the reason I'm interested in it is because of all these conversations that I've had with founders that from the outside looking in, you'd be like, oh, this is the most successful person I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Yet that's the reality that they're living in. So give us some examples of like things that these people say where you're going, okay, I see a, a trend going on here. Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's I think it often comes down to time is the time is the number one factor, right? When pe- people feeling overwhelmed and frustration related to the amount of time that they have in their life dedicated to being able to do other things or work on the stuff that they want to work on. And I think this comes back to like to leverage. And, you know, as you go through multiple, like as your business grows and you start to see there are different levels and you have to continually level up. If you get left behind a little bit and your business goes further than you, further ahead than where you're at, it can put you in a position where your time is completely restricted, and uh, some of the joy that you got from running your business is just completely evaporated because you feel like every single day you're like waking up fighting fires with no end in sight, and you may not have the tools to get to the next level, and the next level might look like hiring some people to help you, uh, hiring more experienced people to help you and take over some of those challenges that you feel like only you can do at this moment. And that's, what are the, yeah. I was going to say, you, you, you touched on something that I think is an interesting thing, which is the self narrative going on. 
So what are, do you see like feedback loops that people get in that like their mindset could be potentially one of the biggest challenges? Uh, yes. I think, I think it happens often when companies grow really, really fast. And it's, it's interesting because I've worked primarily with like e-commerce brand owners. And what's so interesting about this dynamic is that you can create a product and you can put it to market and it could be like a $10 million business like basically overnight because there's so much demand for it, right? You can sell to anywhere in the world. And uh, what's interesting about that is sometimes the, the like self-talk or like the mindset, it can happen so quick that you don't even really have time to adjust mm-hmm. and realize that the business now is much larger than it was a year ago. And the same thing that got you to have success to launch the product and start selling it on Facebook or wherever you are selling this product isn't going to allow you to get to the next level uh, and isn't going to allow you to free up your time. I think the big one is like that you have to do all the most important things yourself and you can't trust other people to be able to take those over. Or like, I think the most limiting one is just not trusting people in general. You're never going to get anywhere if you don't can't trust somebody to help you grow your business. It's just a, it's a recipe for lack of fulfillment in your life, frustration and slower growth. It may be fast growth initially, but that turns around and then it makes it very hard to sustain it. Super interesting that you brought up trust because uh, a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed a guy named David Horsager who wrote The Trust Edge and he's got like this whole trust study and he and I, the title of the podcast was Trust is the most valuable asset of an entrepreneur. Yeah. I, <laughs> and it, it, cuz it's like you, you you know you just have this you know you hold on to everything and then you can't I mean things can engulf you without you knowing it. You had said so actually going back to kind of like your overall what's interesting to you which is life like this business and life by design and Yeah. What you had said a couple of times, you know, what on the outside means success. Oh, everybody thinks success. So what is your definition of success? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a, a good question. My definition for success right now is that I can wake up and enjoy what I'm doing for most of my life. From a work perspective, work does take up a good chunk of my, of my life, my waking hours. And I want to be able to enjoy that. And so I want to wake up and enjoy what I do. I want to have incredible relationships with my family, with my friends, have a level of health that feels like vibrant and something that it also feels like sustainable for me that I, I can, uh, sustainability is really important to me. When I say that, I mean, like, I want to be able to do the same thing that I'm doing consistently for 10, 15 years without burning out. That to me is is uh, is success, and you know I want to be able to make enough money to provide for my family, and also provide for and increasingly increase the amount of money that my team is making, so that they can reach some of the goals that they have. That to me right now is what success looks like. It's a little, yeah, I like it, man. I, I think it's a fantastic definition because I. I've had a couple of uh, interviews over the last call it half a year, year where we're kind of unpacking this and a lot of and time comes up a lot and then optionality and choices. And like, I think it's just such a hard thing because, you know, there's this narrative of money and revenue and employees. And like, that's how entrepreneurs judge each other. And, yeah. <laughs> and like, and yet there's so many people on like unbelievably un, like dissatisfied or unhappy and like they don't know how to deal with it man like it's um and how did you how did you come to that conclusion like did you go through a journey to reach that conclusion oh for sure i think um i the first the first job that i ever had like real job out of college i worked for a very fast growing startup in Los Angeles. And the culture was very different. It was very, it was like the epitome of like crush it culture. Like we're going to grow, <laughs> be a hundred, hundred million dollars. And we're going to get there as fast as we possibly can. If we don't hit a hundred million dollars, that's like basically no success. And it was, it was very, it was very invigorating. I was like very excited. I worked incredibly hard. Uh, I remember meeting my friend at my friend and his dad at this Korean restaurant in Los Angeles, Korean barbecue. And I was working so hard that I got there like 10 minutes early 
And I actually fell asleep in the waiting area uh, before <laughs> dinner because I was just like so burned out and tired. And it was a it was interesting for me because that was my first experience with business. I think I carried that over into my first company where I was working as a consultant and building an email marketing agency. And I had this still like level of this level of belief that needed to be, I was building it to build it versus building what I wanted. Uh, I was building it to like show off what we could build. I think that is, is how I was thinking about it at the time. And I really didn't enjoy the, I didn't want to build the agency. I think like I got halfway down this path and I was like, this is what where it's going. It's not what I wanted. I didn't know how to turn around and get out of that and ended up shutting it down and, and pivoting and kind of taking more stock into like, why did I start doing this? What do I actually want in my life? Like for, for me, like many entrepreneurs, freedom is a really, really big driver uh, for, for me. And that, that idea of what freedom is, is a moving target. For me, initially, it was like, be able to make $10,000 from anywhere in the world. So I can like live in Southeast Asia, and like work from like a beach in Thailand when I was much younger. That was my idea of freedom. It's a, and that's a, you know, hey, well, it sounds good, right? I mean, yeah. it was a motivating force for me and yeah, like, no, I totally get it. And then as kind of evolved and changed as hit goals like that, and they've moved towards larger, different ideas of what freedom means. I've, I've evolved kind of my view of what it means to be successful and build a successful business. I think also from working with a lot of entrepreneurs and seeing that there's no, like you can build a business in so many different ways and the size, the amount of your revenue definitely does not correlate to how happy you are. That is a, I think I'm in a unique position where I get to work with so many different entrepreneurs and see that, happiness is definitely not related to <laughs> your, your revenue. Well, and it's yeah. even just to take that one observation that you have, and then I'm going to take five years of this podcast yes. where revenue doesn't even equal enterprise value or how much you take home. No. And the people that end up on my show a wide range from shutting down to netting $150 million and the people that net that net that much where their net worth is that, typically very unhappy. And I think it's this interesting and maybe I kind of rally back to you after this, but like, so I'll, like, I'll, I'm, I'm thinking it's one gentleman uh, specifically, he, he, he grew his company like crazy and then he sold it. May, like, I mean, he was doing well into the hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. Yeah. So you can only kind of reverse engineer some math of he made a lot of money when he sold. Yeah. And it's this unbelievable sacrifice and martyrism or so, whatever you want to call it to get to that. And then you realize, wow, that was the wrong goal. That sucks. Have you, I mean, I know yes. you're not doing a lot as much people maybe that, that sell, but like when and how do you see people come to that conclusion? Like what breaks in the equation? So that way people don't have to do that, Austin, right? Like, like what a shame that like, someone didn't enjoy the entire journey, even though they were making that kind of money. I mean, have you, does that make oh, sense the, or relate? hundred percent. Definitely see the exact same sort of thing happening. Uh, and I have worked with a ton of, a bunch of entrepreneurs who have gone on to sell their business for like a hundred million dollars, right? It's a lot of money. And that, I think when I was in my early twenties, like getting into entrepreneurship, that was like, I could not, without having any exposure to it, you can't recognize that, oh, that that's not the correct end goal for everybody, or like, that's not a perfect end goal. Um, and then as you get more exposed to it and you recognize that from, from the experience that I've had working with people that have had gone on to successful exits, like they all look back incredibly fondly on the journey and like the time when they're sitting in that small office and they're grinding away with like two or three other employees trying to figure out how to make uh, their next $10,000, right? Like uh, of sales. And I, I, my belief on this is that it comes down to, it goes back to freedom in a, in a certain sense that like, as the business grows, there are different ways that the business can evolve out of your like level of 
freedom. Uh, that's not the right best way to describe it. What I mean by that is like, as it grows and there's more like systems, processes, all these things going on, it can become less exciting for somebody who is motivated by creativity, entrepreneurship, and like early stage uh, dynamic growth. And unless you maintain that as you continue to grow um, and you like really are intentional about how you think about maintaining that in your company, you can lose interest in your business. And then when you sell it, then you're like, well, if you don't have something else you're super passionate about to do, well, then you just lost basically 80 or 90% of your, of what you're doing in your wake the hours and all the identity that you have tied to your business is now gone. And so that can leave like a big hole for people. Well said, man. And like, I would say that every bit of my experience over the last decade, it completely validates what you just said. And when you were kind of looking for the word of expands past your freedom, I I want to maybe through and fill in a word there. There's that, are you familiar with the word flow? Yes. Um, you know, the zone flow, Mihai can check me. I wrote a book about this back in like the seventies or something like that. And what I've described in our first principle is like, you have to have this nice balance between you're good at the skill and also your learning yes. and like the feedback loop. But like, I think what, to your point, I see this a lot too. And someone enjoys certain activities. Like I'm a visionary, right? Like I love innovating, yeah. like and it's, I'll go back to this point in a second, but I love innovating. I do love certain things, but at some point I'm like, this sucks. Like, so we're in the process right now of systematizing a lot of our company and all these things. And I'm just like, this is just like, I already see this movie unfolding. And so I'm like, well, I'm bored. Yeah. <laughs> like, no interest. And so like, but someone else who's an engineer might like, but so I think maybe to your point, Austin, I don't know if you've got any of uh, your, your network or your community that you've seen people do this successfully where you it takes like self-reflection to say, what is it that I actually enjoy in this business? Yes. And then being okay, staying with it. I don't know where this whole, like, Hey, you have to be the CEO in quotes on of your business. If you hate it. I mean, yeah. like you can hire someone to do that, by the way, they might, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how, like, does that make sense? Well, I, I also think a lot of people actually would enjoy the role of CEO if they didn't have to do the role of CEO plus COO plus like head of finances and HR, all those different things. Um, right. Like there are a lot of people that are, are like truly mm-hmm. Entrepreneur visionary, visionaries, yeah. visionaries, but when they're so backlogged with all this other stuff that, that they hate. Uh, and this, I think, happens more in like a little bit smaller businesses, kind of in like businesses that are making the leap from like 3 million to like 10, 15 million, where you're like, you're like, when do I hire people? How do I take mm-hmm. things off my plate? That's where I think people can get kind of burned out. And at the end of the day, like you just need to stay in the game long enough. If you're, if you're making, if you're having some level of success and you're continuing to grow, like the worst possible thing you can do is burn yourself out. Because if you, if you can just stay in the game, the compound returns allow this business to grow and your return to be a lot better. Uh, but if you're frustrated with doing the things that you hate, you're not going to be able to do that. If you, you got good examples of where, or maybe not, maybe not good examples or tools, like, cause this is a, this is a big self-awareness issue. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, you see, it's also a moving target, right? You may, you like want to do something and like it. And then I think rather than thinking about like individual activities that you like, I think more about like trying to understand what you are best at the Colby, the Colby score. Are you familiar with the Colby score? (laughs) Yeah. What do you, yeah. I'm a quick start. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a high quick start as well. Um, I think I'm a eight, eight, five, seven, one, uh, which is like high research, high, high quick start, very, very low implementer and pretty much pretty low on like the follow through this sort of uh, system side of things. And so rather than thinking about individual activities that I really like to do, I always try to think about how can I reflect the way that I generally operate. And that means like get started on new projects, research things, but the moment it's on the whiteboard, I can already visualize it already being created and done. So I need to help get some help with that. I, I think I'm you laughing. resonate with that. Oh my God, man. Yeah. Like, and and the, this is just maybe uh, like way too relevant right now because I, we got our quick, we got our Colby's recently because we got a bunch of clients running the US too and yeah. very familiar with that all. And so I'm a nine quick start and my yes. partner is a one. Oh my gosh. 
So, so you, you guys are Pat, a great match. I was going to say, you saw, you saw us go back and forth on the presentation. Yeah. And so like, so over the last 12 months, we like 99% of America did puzzles recently because there was nothing else to do at home. Yeah. Right. So it, we, Pat and I started talking about how we build our puzzles. I'm like, I want to see the picture, build the frame. I want to categorize everything by colors and then I'm done. Yes. I don't care. <laughs> and he's like looking at the shapes and then <laughs> I'm just like, you're so right though, man. Yeah. And I think what ends up happening as it relates to the business, you feel that burnout when you're all of a sudden you're in a different area that you're, you, you hate and you have no idea how to get yourself out. I mean, it, it cause yes. And then people make the rash decision to sell, to get out. And then they end up on my show explaining what they wish they would have done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For, for, for sure. I think that, that that's a great, great example of one, like it's so awesome that you could have a business partner that offsets you that way, because that way you can both work on the things that give you energy versus take, take them away, take energy away from you. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's how, that's how I think about it and how I work, like talk to my clients about it. It's like, well, let's, let's rather than think about the individual activities, cause those are always going to change. Like what role do you need to be in that is going to continue to give you energy? Because if you hate what you're doing, you're probably in a role where you don't, you're, it's not a perfect fit. And then also you probably don't have a lot of leverage over your life. And, um, and that's also where I see a lot of very easy, like I'm going to say easy wins, but like huge wins being made is when people come and they like join my community and they start learning about the, the stuff you can automate in your business mm-hmm. and the marketing that you can automate and the tools that you can use to be able to take a lot of the stuff that you're doing on a consistent basis that might burn you out if you have to keep doing it and turning it into something that works for you consistently. And mm-hmm. then you hire and you, you know, the building a system to hire as well, because everybody hates hiring if they don't have a really, really, really good system for it. But if you reverse engineer hiring and you create a system that always pulls in and attracts incredibly talented people, well, you can change that in your mind and you can start to love hiring mm-hmm. because you're going to bring in people that add enthusiasm and ideas to your company. And it makes it a lot easier to to run the business. Anything that looping back one of the earlier parts of the combo is, is there a way that you have seen people or you yourself have gone through to effectively in that process, trust the people or, or build the trust to be confident to do the things you just described? Yeah. So that I think all comes down that, that for me is at the front end of the process and that's the hiring process, right? Like I have a very, I have a very methodical hiring process that is multiple rounds. And so one of the biggest mistakes I think business owners make, and this happens, I think really with marketing founders, uh, but both, both founders as well, but they get really good at marketing their product. And they don't even think about marketing their business to people that they want to bring in. Right. So they're like, they got these incredible sales funnels and then they go post like a six bullet job post on, uh, <laughs> on LinkedIn. And they expect like incredible people to come to their company. Not going to happen. It's not so interesting. So my, my process is like very methodical around hiring. And it starts with first creating an incredible role, right? Like an incredible job for a role for somebody and telling the story of what that role means to the business and attracting people. And then goes through multiple rounds of application with, and we use like a, our own like hiring. We used to use Airtable, which is an awesome tool. And we ask questions that help determine if they're a good fit. So as they go through multiple rounds, by the time we have a conversation, they've already started to do some of the work they might be doing in this role. Mm-hmm. And we can see how their work kind of matches up. And and then we build, you know, a relationship with them and figure out if they're the right fit. So by the time we hire them, we have a pretty good idea that they're going to be able to do the job. And then we start with a 90 day trial period. And after those 90 days, if a person makes it through all of that, they're usually an incredible fit. And do you have personality tests that you do in the middle of all that for the positions? Do do a Colby score. So we can kind of get a feeling of where 
of how people are going to operate in the business. And we go in with an idea of what the ideal Colby score for this role might be, right? Like somebody in, in a support role is often going to need a lot of follow through because it's a consistency type thing. And somebody who's like high quick start, low implementer, low follow through, it's probably not going to do that well in the support role over the long haul. They might do good initially, but not over the long haul. Now, when now once you figure out what the role is, then you're done, which is maybe a couple. Yeah, of it's like okay, I've learned I've learned <laughs> this role. It. <laughs> Can I get somebody else to do it? Um, and so, how do I try? How do I trust people? I think a lot of it comes down to the hiring process, and then building a relationship, and then also like trust, but verify, right? There's like, Mm -hmm. you want to give people the benefit of the doubt and then uh, only, and see how far they can go and take their role. And then if you realize that things aren't going well, then you can always go back and and figure that out. But you'll, you'll definitely lose more by not trusting people than you will gain from always being afraid of what someone's going to do in your business. Yeah. I, uh, I had this really, one of my really good friends, um, years back, he goes, Ryan, you have some awesome people that accumulate around you. I'm like, you have any idea how many ridiculous idiots <laughs> I had to go through in order to like find these good people? Like, <laughs> you know, and, and maybe it is a strong word, but you just like, it takes, it's just like, you know, you just, it's, you're constantly shopping for good yeah. fits for based on personality, sure. based on where you're at in your business. And like, it just takes a while, but the I don't know. I've found where like the effort of going through that pain is so worth it. I wouldn't have found my business partner. Right. I mean, I went through yeah. a couple other business partners before I found him. Like, I mean, like, and it's so worth it. So if worth you it. know what you're looking for. And I think can maybe what, like what I heard from what you just said is you trust the process yes. that you designed that should kick out the highest probability of success. A hundred percent. And every time I've not gone through the process, <laughs> I've, I've made a mistake. I've ended up not, that person's not been around. Right. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to cheat the process here and take a referral from somebody who I trust. And that usually has not worked out for me. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, if you take a referral, have them go through some part of the process, the most important part for you to determine that they're a good fit. And also the other part of that is getting really clear about what you value. Like, and like we have five five or six like values that we talk about in our story when we're attracting Mm -hmm. new in our job post. And like, if somebody reads through that, they're either going to resonate or it's going to completely turn them off. They're like, this is not the job for me. And that's the goal. Right. Like it's good. It's a good thing. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. One thing, and and I'm way bringing my confirmation bias to this, uh, this comment. So over the last handful of years, I've dove way deep into the finance world of business, right? Um, and it was really kind of just in my entire journey of trying to find the root cause of why entrepreneurs don't have control over building a more valuable business with more choices. And it just kept coming back to financials. And yes, when I look at all the things that we've talked about are super real. And like, I just want to make, make a it's almost like a, I don't know if it's a belief or like an observation that I, I kind of hold at the top of my head. And I want to know whether you think it's like how accurate I might may or may not be is like when you go from a, a smaller business and then you grow rapidly without funding, by the way, without burning through other people's money for no apparent reason, right? Like I'm talking yeah. like you're organically growing your own business. The things that I watch is I look at projecting out all three financial statements now with the kind of clarity that we can that I now know is possible. I never knew it was possible before. And it was like, look at the bank account, look at the income statement, hopefully we're doing all right. And versus like what happens is that, as I've noticed, Austin, people go, well, you're burnt out. You're like, well, you just hire these people to do this. And you're like, well, the, the, the individual for the first time in seven years can pull down six figures and actually pay for all the shit in their life. And you're just like flippantly saying, hire this and do that and do this. And you're like, well, the only thing I have is time at this point. And I'm finally starting to make money. So like, it, like there's this like actual gridlock with the financials. They're like the business owner. I would say that 99% of them are like, hey, like, of, of course I would want to do that. I have no idea how to afford it. I'm buying it, you know, in, in your world, especially depending on whether people are warehousing the inventory or whether they're doing drop ship, you know, on demand, you're buying inventory, zero to 10 million could actually make you go bankrupt. Oh, for sure. You have no for money. Sure. So like, I think there's this issue of like, 
how do I ladder up to the point where I can actually continue to pay for my life? I don't sacrifice my life, but I also can grow my business, but not feel guilty from all the other people who have taken on money or raised this round. I mean, I don't know. Am I like how accurate in, or not accurate, but like, is this like, is there some truth in what I'm seeing? Yeah, I, I think there's there's truth in it for sure. And it, it it tends to, from my experience working with people at entrepreneurs at different levels, when they're up at like the 10, 15, 20, $25 million revenue level, they're like dialed in on finances because they have to be. They're like this, oh, they they realize that it's that's such an important part of their business when it's when they're down the, the three to five million dollar range or maybe one to five million dollar range. Sometimes they're not focus on it as much because they're just still trying to market and grow the business. And the way that I, the way that I see it is that, you know, the profit in your business is the lever that you have for more freedom in your life. Mm -hmm. And that's freedom could be taken in different ways. That freedom could be pulling in more money for yourself and paying for your lifestyle, or it could be paying for getting back more time and getting back more time so that you don't burn yourself out doing the stuff that, you, you know, if you're working 60 hours, 60, 70, 65 hours a week, and you're making a lot of money, well, what is the, what's the point of that? Where is that going? Like, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Right. And, and uh, I think that those are some of the unhappiest people that I've worked with, the ones that are, are making a lot of money, but have no time to either enjoy it, uh, use it. And it just goes to stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as far as my, like where I, where I see your comments coming from is like, it's a challenging place to be to determine where you want to deploy your capital and where, like, and, and where you want to put it and who, like, what's the most valuable use of it. Um, but at the same time, it, it, at, the, at the end of the day, it's if you're taking like a market-based wage and you're able to like, not let your lifestyle creep go out, out rate growing outrageously high, and you can live off of that. Well, then all that profit that you've got in the business of running a profitable business is the freedom that you've got to decide what you want to do in your in your life. And I encourage people to take more time off because the more time that you take off, like I've, I've got a client I've worked with for a couple of years. And when we first started working together, he was working six days a week, cut back to every Friday he goes and golfs. And awesome. it's been one of the best things for the business because it's he's had to trust and utilize his team a lot more and it's helped him realize who can hang and who can't and they have systems set up so that when he's out golfing the business continues to move forward and it's like a it's, it's a good tell for how well organized the business is and it's mm -hmm. become a lot more profitable since then mm -hmm. it's super helpful and i think it is the the big challenge I think you, you you alluded to too is like, where do you deploy this to equal your freedom, right? Like, cause I mean, like, it's so funny. It's like, we all have only a few choices every year. How much money do we reinvest? How much money do we take out? And if we take it out, hopefully, hopefully those decisions that you're making are enhancing your freedom journey. <laughs> Yes. Instead of buying if they're not, unproductive stuff. If they're not, you're doing it wrong. If you're making more money and you've got less freedom, like, what is the point? I don't know. I don't know what the point is. It's <laughs> Someone like, should tell us because <laughs> I, don't, I don't have an answer to it either. Right? Like, yeah, yeah you know, satisfy some childhood, you know, grudge you've got against <laughs> someone or something. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, that, that is just the trap though. That, that, that's a trap that you can get into because it's, it's harder to make choices your, to your point of where do you deploy capital to make your life easier and give yourself more freedom? That's not easy, right? It, it, you have to be really thoughtful about what you want and what you want changes. And sometimes it's easier to, yeah, fulfill like childhood fantasies and buy like a car that depreciates immediately and um, might make you feel good in the moment, but doesn't it provides you with less freedom down the road. Again, we're not talking about like upgrading to a car that is, is serviceable from the, like a nice car you yeah, did. No, right. No, no, yeah. it's not that it's, it's the McLaren it's, that you, that's six grand a month that you, you drive, you know, yeah. a dozen it, times every, and every people, so often. I, I'm not judging any, some, for some people that isn't, that is massive freedom to them. And that feels incredibly uh, powerful. That was their but, thing. That's their thing, right? If you're thoughtful about that and that actually truly brings you joy, that's incredible. 
And like I'd want, I gotta just clarify one part of that comment because there's a couple guys in my YEC group with that love their McLarens. Yes. And I, honestly, like if anybody should own one, it should be these guys because yes. they spend more time in that than I do in my house. I so love like, it. Yeah, all for it, man. Like go for Great. it. <laughs> and that that's the thing. It's like be, it's a, it's it's being thoughtful about that and trying to decide what you want. And if that's truly a good use of it, that brings that allows you to have more freedom and feel better about what you're doing. Great. Um, it's just making those choices, it, that can be challenging. Right. And, and again, it's, it's a, it's a moving target and yeah. So how are kind of shifting a little bit here? How are you and your community and the, the places that I know you're spending a lot of time in, in the, the networks dealing with the insane growth in e-commerce? I mean, we all knew that this was a thing, right? Like, and especially like, you know, you obviously have known it for a long time and, but like the rest of the world kind of woke up because of COVID you and yeah. I have been going like, well, duh, I've been having my stuff ordered for a decade now, <laughs> but like, yeah, like the rest of the world going, okay, now here it is. This is the thing you got Shopify that's exploded and you've got Amazon and like the amount of compounded growth, the aggregators coming into the space. And like, so how are you guys processing what's going on? Is there kind of like, okay, what is the overall like consensus of where people are marching towards and how they're handling this? Well, to put it in perspective, right? Last year, basically this is being recorded in April and that's 2021. And April of 2020 was kind of the kickoff right mid-April of like when sales started to really boost mm-hmm. in commerce. As people in March, it was still like, what is going on? Everyone's still kind of nervous. And from what I've seen with my clients, it's it's been a it's been a wild roller coaster of growth for the last year. And at this point, a lot of people have just been holding on, trying to staff up to be able to continue to continue to operate. And uh, the people who have won were the ones who placed the people who won were the ones who placed big bets on inventory and are have inventory right now because we're feeling like the pull of more demand and less supply right now, right? All the, there's still challenges with mm-hmm. factories, warehouses, and not able to get products. I think for, for the most part right now, it's a, it's a it's somewhat of a, of a, of a gold rush of demand happening. Mm-hmm. And I've just been talking a lot about with, with my community, like at this point, what can you do to make this more sustainable? How can you develop products that are subscription-based? How do you develop products that are higher margin? Um, if you're selling other people's products, how can you white label stuff to be able to increase the margin in your business? Uh, what type of marketing can you automate so that it's happening rather than just adding people to your business? As, the, as, as you grow, you add sales without people. And mm-hmm. you know, SMS marketing, email marketing is a great way to do that. And yeah, I think I think for the most part, a, a lot of the people that, that have have had success in this have been in it for years and kind of saw it coming and were hopefully a little bit prepared. And mm-hmm. when it hit, they're like, all right, let's go. Like, yeah, this is weird. It's like a surfer sitting out waiting for the wave, and then here it is. And it's, yeah. it's not shocking, but you're excited to to ride it. I'm curious, like Austin, because I, you know, in the different pockets, the online entrepreneurs that I spend. Is it like, are people going, oh, look, this is the time to have multiple arbitrage and, you know, grow this up and sell to Thrasio or one of these other aggregators or, and I'm assuming there's probably, I mean, obviously there's a spectrum, but like, yes, you know, are like, I guess my question is, is like, are there entrepreneurs out there that have been building a, a sustainable business that are planning to keep it or to like, you know, all of a sudden start manufacturing or want to get into inventory or get off of Amazon into Shopify to create an old brand. Like what, like, is there a percent like, Hey, let's just use this as a gold rush or Hey, like let's use this wave to actually enjoy a sustainable life as an entrepreneur. I I think there's different buckets, right? You've got people that for a long time, Amazon, Amazon selling was like an on-ramp to entrepreneurship for, for many people and still mm-hmm. is to a certain extent. It's like, oh, you don't know what to do? Go sell on Amazon. And there's this huge opportunity. I think that that's less so than it has been in the past because it's just harder We're to harder, make money. Right? Yeah, it's harder just... to make money doing it. And Amazon's competing against you. There's massive competition from overseas. That's one group of people. You've got people who are like brand owners 
And that's a totally different group where they are, they found something that's cool, whether it's a product or an idea that they developed, and they're just trying to build a brand around it and grow it as fast and grow it quickly and, um, and eventually have an exit. Yeah. Yeah, Sustainably have an exit. And then you've got another group of people that are buying multiple businesses and kind of, I, I like this model of, uh, and I've had a couple guys on the podcast, one guy named Shaquille Prasla, who's got, I know Shaquille, you know, Shaquille. Yeah. 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 So Shaquille, I, I definitely know what Shaquille's up to. <laughs> yeah. He, awesome. He's, he's buying, um, multiple e-commerce businesses and he's using his SEO, uh, expertise to grow them and build a portfolio of companies. That they'll be able to then sell at a higher valuation mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. future. And I think that's where a lot of the smart money is. It's that, and also investing in, uh, I mean, it's a really hot market for software, e-commerce marketing software and attribution software. All these companies are getting massive valuations. Uh, I saw that uh, Clavio, one of the, like the leading email service provider for e-commerce for Shopify stores, it's a $4 billion valuation. This raised money. Uh, right now. Yeah. We're, we're edging into a topic where I'm just like, well, this is a macroeconomic monetary policy issue, but because <laughs> like you get, you just put the throttle down on money and the money's got to go somewhere yeah. and it goes into already very well, good businesses and the good trends, but the trends just get exacerbated and it's ridiculous. And that's where like another like underlying thought that I had on that comment was like, what I hope my hope is Austin, honestly, that like a lot of the, the the people in your community realize that they have the opportunity to ride the smart, sustainable wave and create one hell of a life and a lot of wealth. If they, and sometimes it might be saying, Hey, no to the quick money of someone that just wants to scoop you up for a few million bucks, you know, you know, like a Hoover vacuum pull in your product. And then you have to go rebuild like net proceeds, right? How much did you actually walk away with? How long can you sustain your income off of that sale? And you're going, wait a second, like now in four years, you have to restart all over again. If you yeah. went for the quick money, I just hope that there's enough people that can put that in context going, Hey, this is kind of a time thing. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think it's, it's interesting because people, people have different levels of expertise. There are people that do things that I'm like, I'm always blown away by like people <laughs> that can see an opportunity, like flip it really quickly. That that's really interesting. I, I'm reading, uh, I'm interviewing John Warlow um, oh, nice. uh, later today. And so I've been reading his book, the art of selling your business. And it's got some interesting ideas in there. One of the things he talks about is like 10 year increments, like building in 10 year increments and then taking some time off, which I think is interesting. And, uh, I, I think at the, at the end of the day, like what's the more I talk with people and the more exposure I have to this community of entrepreneurs, uh, the more I realize that everybody can do it entirely different. And if anybody has like a very strong way of telling you that this is the only way you should do something, they're generally wrong or they're selling something. And, and, and if you go back to like principles of, if you could be in a position where you can do what you're doing consistently over time and be comfortable with the idea of selling it or not selling it, you're in a wonderful, wonderful position. And you don't want to be on either side of that where you feel like either you have to sell or you don't want to sell or you know you feel like you're burned out you don't want to be there because if you can take care of your energy and like your ability to create over time just you just don't want to get wiped out and the longer you can stay in the game you have the ability to have ongoing success and uh and that's what that's what's cool and exciting and, and one of the things that I'm just like I'm a student of I mean, I don't even know what else to say. I mean, you could drop the mic off that last comment. I, I, cause I agree. Right. Cause like it's this balance and this is like, it's this balance of doing what you enjoy, but then having like the finances has to be enabling that you can't have, I think to your point, you can't be, you can't have one of those be your master because like you could go do this, you could, but you're going to be a broke artist or you could go do this and you could be a super wealthy wall street art, you know, financial arbitrage and miserable. So like, like what you just said is just options you to be able to fund your creativity. And and you need to know what business that you're in. This is the thing I think people (laughs) don't like, especially in, 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 in my space, it can be confusing because you can have a brand and you can look out and you can see that you're competing with like a venture 
backed company. And they're playing a different game than the game that you're playing if you're bootstrapped. Because your game is don't run out of money and continue to grow. Their game is spend as much money as possible to grow as fast as possible. So if you're bootstrapped and you're trying to and you're looking at growth as something that your business is tracking without paying attention to profitability, you're going to burn out quick. And mm-hmm. you'll never be able to win this game and you're going to get in a position where you're going to have to raise raise money or or so on terms that you don't like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So just awesome. having awareness there. This has been a blast, man. Um, very much enjoyed this conversation. Uh, two final questions for you. One, what does the word intentional mean for you? Uh, for me, intentional uh, means what I feel. I like it. Where does everybody find you? I know you dropped the the email at the beginning or the website at the beginning. Why don't you give, yeah. it, give it to everybody again? So if you want to listen to me talk more, you can go listen to the e-commerce influence podcast. We have about 300 episodes with... Uh, business owners. And we talk a lot about building wealth, finding more freedom in your life, that sort of thing. Uh, And if you want to work together, you can head over to brandgrowthexperts.com, which is my company. And we've got a community called The Coalition, um, which you can join. And Ryan's in there. Pat's in there. They did an excellent training, which we got a lot of good feedback on. And yeah, I, I, I would say every like couple every like once a month someone will be like hey i just like i just listened to ryan and pat's training like i'm so excited about this because it's like a it's a mindset <laughs> shift for them yeah fun and finance and the word same yeah same sentence who would have thought right <laughs> <laughs> thinking about long-term value so awesome man thanks so much for coming cool. on the show awesome thanks ryan I hope you enjoyed that conversation I had with Austin. I had a blast. It was a lot of fun talking to someone that sees a lot of different stories, a lot of different businesses, and a lot of different challenges, and being able to synthesize common trends that we both see. And I think if I were to pull out two things that I think are worth noting is one is how important the mindset is in separating your financial asset, which is your company, from your job really then breaking down what does success look like for you and are you optimizing for the right things. The next thing I would say is it is unbelievably important to put the numbers behind your definition of success because it is very difficult to work yourself out of the business if you cannot afford to hire the right people or make the right investments. So I think the big thing to note on that is you could have all these desires to work yourself out of the business or to do certain things, but if the financial plan does not support your vision, then you have a reckoning that you have to deal with, understanding reality and what is today in order to get to that point in the future to make your vision a reality. Obviously, I am biased and I would suggest that you go check out the Intentional Growth Training on the Arcona.io website. We have the whole curriculum there and the agenda and it really helps you unpack what are your personal drivers and then what are your financial targets and how do you reconcile these two to make sure that you have the highest probability that you get what you want from the business and your life long term. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed the episode and I will see you next week.